0: Are you there, Ed? I don't think Ed's there. It's gonna be another fun day. The job is done. Oh my God, you sound the terrible. The job is done. Ed, you sound no, horrible. I you sound. Sa- don't sound
1: horrible.
2: You're. You do. The audio sounds yeah.
0: horrific. You sound like uh, a villain in a movie. Oh no! Oh no! I
1: apologize.
2: You sound yeah, like. When, when-
1: well, when Jared when we set it up, Jared said it. Jared said I sounded good. I came in clean.
2: You do you not did. sound you good. You did. Well, you did when I had you in queue. Now you sound like an evil robot. Oh uh,
1: well, that, that that's an upgrade for my high voice. No, no, it is not.
2: I would rather you talk like a chipmunk than this.
1: Okay, I apologize. Uh, what do we need uh, him to do, Jared? I add,
2: add disconnect and reconnect.
1: Okay, I'm doing that
2: right now. I'll, I'll, Tyler, would you <laughs> like me to start the first bite? Well, what? No, no. Hold okay.
0: on. What was that? I have, I have never heard anyone sound like that. Did
2: you hear him in cue?
0: I just heard him say, like, hello, I'm here or something like that. And he sounded normal before the show. What? How are we doing now? Hey, you're not an hey. evil robot.
1: There you go. I'm not an evil robot. The job is done. There we I go. reconnected. The job is done.
0: Good job, I, and I'm I'm serious. I don't know what happened. You're gonna have to re-listen to the first five seconds of this show at when we're done today because
1: you genuinely sounded like a movie villain. Is there any chance it was the best of uh, uh, the press box?
0: Uh, The worst of the press box, probably. I think it hurt more people's ears, so we probably wouldn't subject them to Hmm. hear it again.
2: Luckily, if they were listening on AM radio, they probably couldn't actually hear you because uh, (laughs) the wavelengths are too big. And so you probably just, you know, didn't come through.
1: The first
2: bite. This is going to be a problem all day, isn't it? All right. All right. The first bite today is brought to you by McDonald's. How good are the Bengals?
1: Oh, you're having a little McDonald's today. I did. You think the Bengals are any good, Ed?
2: Are they as good as a McGriddle?
1: Um, No. Given given some of the numbers you put down on this rundown, I don't know why they're not favored by 25 instead of 5.
0: Wow. I'm about to tell you, Ed, this is what I'm going to do for the next few minutes. Everything I tell you, well, almost everything I tell you, Is going to be why I think the Raiders might actually win this game.
1: Oh, here we go.
0: Now I have got positivity this morning. So
2: the Bengals (laughs) finished
0: 10 and seven. Granted, they didn't play in the last week of the season, but they finished 10 and seven. That's the same record as the Raiders. They did have a plus 84 point differential, which was fourth best in the AFC. The Raiders were minus 65, which is 13th best in the AFC. But if you go by DVOA this year, Bengals, not that good. Offense 18th defense 19th. That's a below average team by pro football focus offense 8th defense still just 15th. If you just look at their individual players uh, Joe Burrow pro football focus is number two quarterback on the year. They have T Higgins and Jamar Chase both top 12 wide receivers by pro football focus grades, but that's kind of it Uh, Two offensive linemen were in the top 30 at their position, but neither were in the top 15. They got four defensive players in the top 30. They've got a corner who was number two at his position, but they don't exactly have just a loaded roster of guys that are in the top 10 or even top 20 at their position. And then if we go to the matchup between the Raiders and the Bengals earlier this year, the Bengals won that game 32 to 13. But they only outgained the Raiders by 10 yards. Joe Burrow was 20 of 29 for 148 yards and one touchdown. Jamar Chase only had three catches for 32 yards. Joe Mixon did have 123 yards rushing, but it took him 30 carries to get there. That game was close going into the fourth quarter. And then Derek Carr had two turnovers that set up Cincinnati inside the Raiders 35-yard line on back-to-back drives in the fourth quarter that gave them two touchdowns that put that game out of reach and made that look like a blowout. I'm here to tell you Ed. number one, I don't think the Bengals are all that good. And despite the Raiders getting blown out by the Bengals in reality, that was a pretty close game going into the fourth quarter. And Derek Carr and his small hand showed up and handed the ball away to the Bengals losing it for the Raiders. But I do not think this is a slam dunk. The Bengals are great. The Raiders are lucky to be there. And the Bengals are going to win this game easily.
1: Okay, so after all that, they shouldn't be favored by 15. But the Raiders should be favored by 8.5. Absolutely. Make them a touchdown Uh, plus favorite. Let me ask you this. Okay, so I don't think Joe Burrow was, uh, was healthy the first time. Or completely healthy. How much do you think that plays into it? And also, we keep hearing about the weather. I checked the weather today. And now the snow has gone away, and it's just supposed to be overcast. Let's say it snows, and usually that is going to favor some people who can run uh, run the ball. Um, Joe Mixon's out of COVID. So let's say it snows. Do you change your mind? How much do you change your mind?
0: I haven't made up my mind. I'd have to do that before I could change my mind, right? Isn't that how that works?
1: Well, Okay, so you think they can win, but you haven't made up your mind specifically if you do think they're, that it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, um, as far as running the ball goes, I mean, neither one of these teams was particularly great at running the ball. Uh, Cincinnati finished, what, 20th in rushing DVOA this year. The Raiders 25th. So if both teams have to hand it off 35 times, it's probably just going to be a ugly, boring game of teams running for two yards at a time. Um, I, I don't know that the weather changes my mind too much I don't think it's gonna I mean especially if there's no like massive wind. that's that's typically the big thing like when we saw Mac Jones throw three passes and beat Buffalo it was because of the wind like no it wasn't really the snow or the cold it was the wind that caused the Patriots to say you know what we're gonna do we're gonna hand it off every single play so if it's just cold if it's snowing even as long as it's not just unbelievably windy I don't think it'll matter too much
1: yeah, I, I I have a feeling, and I know you gave all the stats, but I just think Joe Burrow is going to play a good game, and I I, I think they're going to win the game. I don't know if the weather matters at all. I think the line is fair, uh, but point differential, and I know they play in different they play in different divisions, but eighty four plus against minus sixty five, and I know in just one game that can change. But uh, we're going to make our picks. Well, we got to make our picks uh, later today. Hopefully, we can do that because I won't be with you tomorrow. Um, but I, I'm, I'm favoring the Bengals for all those reasons. I think Joe Burrow is going to play well. I think Jamar Chase, you know, well, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, uh, Tee Higgins, I think had 46 yards on six, six catches, Jamar Chase didn't do well. Can you count on that happening again?
0: Probably not. Um, and I, yeah, I wouldn't expect the Raiders to do that while covering. I, to me here, here's the thing with the Bengals, they finished the season playing really well right they had those back-to-back wins over Baltimore and Kansas City where Joe Burrow threw for almost a thousand yards in those games I think what's happened is because the Bengals won those two games and because they won them in the fashion they did with Joe Burrow having monster games we have sort of elevated the Bengals into uh, undeserved status as a true contender in the AFC when I don't are. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're as good as Kansas city or Buffalo. They might not even be as good as Tennessee this year. And we've talked plenty about how much we don't think Tennessee any good.
1: No, we don't I, think Tennessee's good at all.
0: I just think Cincinnati ended the season on a hot streak. And we're kind of using that as our basis for, oh, well, that's who they were all season. When in reality, that's, that's not who they were all yeah. season. I mean, they, they only won 10 games. This isn't a 13, 14 win team. They, they won 10 games. They lost to the jets at one point. This season, like this, isn't some team that's just been awesome from start to finish. And Joe Burrow hasn't just been awesome from start to finish. He's he's the quarterback that's been sacked the most in the NFL. He threw 14 picks this year. Like it's not like he was taking great care of the ball. Now again, last four games of the year, he didn't throw a single interception and threw uh, what like I think 11 touchdowns to zero picks in the last four games of the year. Like again, very good end of the season. And if that's who the Bengals are in the playoffs, then they absolutely can win the AFC. I just don't believe that's who the Bengals are. I just don't believe it's a guaranteed thing. We're getting the best Cincinnati Bengals in a playoff game, just because that's the last time we saw Joe Burrow
1: play. I think the Bengals uh, are the best team in the AFC, only because every time you <laughs> ask me each week, I think I gave the Bengals six votes and I gave everyone else less than six votes. So they might be the best team in the AFC, uh, quickly, let me turn it on you then, because you gave all the Bengal stats. What do you think are the few key uh, you know points for the Raiders to go in there and win? I mean, obviously not turn the ball over twice in the fourth quarter, that <laughs> might help. But is there any is there any one area that you think they need to be good at? And let's say the weather's really bad. They haven't really done that. We know about car and cold weather, never mind in the snow he has not been very good. So what do you think the Raiders' key point is to overcome all these good stats that you gave us in the Bengals?
0: I mean, it, it comes down to point suppression, and that's that's what we saw at the end of the season for the Raiders. Like, up until that Chargers game, the Raiders' offense was not scoring any points, basically, but they gave up 14 to Nick Mullins, 13 to Drew Locke, 20 to Carson Wentz. It's going to be a lot harder to do that to Joe Burrow, but they've got to find a way to basically just not give up 28 points, I think is the key here. Now that isn't just on the defense, right? Derek Carr in the offense can't have three and outs. Derek Carr in the offense can't give them the ball inside the 35 yard line. So you can't have turnovers. You can't have short drives. And obviously the defense has to play well. It's probably defensively. Like, I, I think this is Max Crosby. Like he's had a great season, tremendous season, a breakout season for Crosby. I think he's got a chance to have a breakout game because the Bengals' offensive line isn't good by any means. Gave up the most sacks in the NFL this year, which partially because the Bengals threw it a lot. But this is a chance for Max Crosby to have a massive playoff game where we're talking about like we did after the Chargers game.
1: Oh, I was going to say right. Yeah, he,
0: he had 11 pressures yeah. or something like that. Yeah. He had the most pressures in a game since Khalil Mack was here. Like, If we're talking about that, I think we might be talking about a Raiders win on Monday too.
1: Well, he had – I mean, he was terrific against the Chargers. If he can repeat that and even be better, then you're right. They have a much better chance of winning uh, in Cincinnati. Um, I, I'm surprised at some of these. I didn't know they only outgained him by 10 yards. And like I said, I don't think Burrow was 100%. Mixon hurt them a lot. And, again, we'll see, we'll see about Joe Mixon because I don't know – and maybe you know this. I don't know if he tests a positive or he's a close contact. And we saw some of the guys from the Colts who came out of the uh, protocol. I don't know if they – Had their you know complete conditioning and Joe Burrow is a guy who needs the complete conditioning as much as they give him the ball, so those are two things that are interesting to me. How does Joe Mixon look, and how healthy is Joe Burrow comparative to the last time?
0: Yeah, and I mean health and who's out and who's in might go a long way in determining a lot of these playoff games. I mean, it looks as though there's a lot less players going on the COVID list than we were in the you know weeks 15 and 16 of the NFL season, but yeah, just simply having guys available is probably going to be, might be the biggest factor in a lot of these games. All right, coming up next, after we've dumped on the Titans all season, I'll give you a stat as to why they might actually be the team to beat in the AFC.
3: We haven't discussed it, but I think, you know, I would assume as a group, you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football
0: team. We're the out of 14 teams I think are in. We're probably number 14. We're double digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. I mean, we're Probably 20 point underdogs,
3: and we're going to the number one team. The number one team that's I know they're not the number one team, but they're the number one team that's won the AFC the last two years. Arguably the best team in football. We don't have a chance, so let's just go in and play and have fun. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187 Finley Kia. Come see a Kia on West Sahara.
0: Ed, what do you think Ben Roethlisberger's doing right there?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is it possible to uh, uh, not like this guy even more?
0: <laughs> you don't. I like him more for that. You dislike I mean, him more for that?
1: No, I mean, look, obviously we know what he's doing there and it's kind of a cliche to kind of go on the whole Lou Holtz. We don't have a chance. And, you know, they're going to beat us. I'd much rather him come out and say, you know what? They're not very good. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go in there and beat them. I don't know why they're. I don't know why they're so rated high. I mean, I'd rather that than the whole, you know, the usual, oh, we don't have a chance. We're a huge underdog. So I'd rather, I'd actually rather the opposite where he just started talking smack about the Chiefs.
0: I think Ben Roethlisberger's ready to retire and is kind of disappointed. He's got to go play a playoff game.
1: (laughs) You you think he'd rather just be at home and watch? He
0: was hoping the Raiders and Chargers would end in a tie so he could just, he could retire (laughs) and be done with it. Now he's got to go to Kansas City and lose by four touchdowns. Yeah, he doesn't want that. He was like, eh, uh, no, no. Daniel Carlson missed that field goal, please. I don't want to go play in the playoffs. That's what I think he did. At least we know one thing. The Steelers job is done.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. If the Raiders job is done, the Steelers job has been done for, (laughs) you know, the minute they clinched, it was over.
0: All right. Let me give you some rookie quarterback questions for you. All right. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Eh, We saw a little Trey Lance and Davis Mills of the Texans. Those were your rookie quarterbacks. This year. Which of those do you think is going to have the best career?
1: I would like to know who the Jaguars coach is going to be, but I'm going to stay with Trevor Lawrence. I, I, I actually think Trevor Lawrence is going to still be the best of all of them. I'd love to know who their coach is and who his next coordinator is going to be to work with him because we know it was a disaster under my least favorite uh well, I don't want to say person, but coach of all time, Urban Meyer. <laughs> so I still believe in Trevor Lawrence, more than I believe in those other guys. So, I, okay. Can I guess who you're going to say? Yeah, of course. Justin Fields.
0: No, I think it's Trevor Lawrence too. Oh, okay. Uh, right. But here's what's interesting. Pro football focus. They basically went through all of the rookie quarterbacks and their, their season, right. Took their season by their, the numbers, except for Trey Lance, cause he didn't play enough snaps. And then they compared it to say, okay, what other quarterbacks in the NFL have had these types of rookie seasons, and what did they turn out to be? And, here, and then basically trying to figure out what are these rookie quarterbacks going to do the rest of their careers? And they basically put out percentages on how likely it is that these rookie quarterbacks are going to be above average and how likely it is that they're going to be elite, like top five-level quarterback in the NFL. Now, if you just go by above average based on their rookie year numbers, Mac Jones has a 57% chance to be above average, and that is far and away the best of any of the rookie quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence checks in at 36%. Justin Fields at 29%. Zach Wilson at 15%. And Davis Mills at 6%. And again, not enough snaps for Trey Lance. But it changes a little bit when you talk about the chances that these guys have to be elite, like top five quarterback in the NFL type guy. Trevor Lawrence is the best 11% chance. He hits that Mac Jones, 8% chance, Justin Fields, 7% chance, Zach Wilson, 2% and poor Davis Mills has a 0% chance to ever be an elite top five quarterback. So with those sort of odds or percentages laid out there, we both think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to be the best, but Mac Jones is the one that has the best chance to sort of be, you know, an above average quarterback. Do you believe that?
1: No, I think Trevor Lawrence has the best chance to be above average. And it's those numbers are so interesting because Matt Jones runs away with above average and Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be, you know, have the best chance to be elite. Um, I I don't know what does what does that tell you that Trevor Lawrence, depending on who is, you know, who the coach is and how how he develops. I mean, you're 36 percent above average, but you're 11 percent chance to be elite.
0: I think. I think it does to, to sort of apply like eye test and narrative to what Pro Football Focus put out here. I think a lot of it does have to do with coaching. I mean, Mac Jones had a good rookie season when he was being asked to do you know, nothing a lot of the times. I mean, the right. yeah. game where he threw it three times, like Mac Jones had probably the smallest workload of any of these rookie quarterbacks. He had the least to do of any of these rookie quarterbacks, and that helps like that helps a quarterback put up better numbers, better per play numbers and everything. So I think that's where the Mac Jones being above average comes in because, to me, it's it's not hard to see Mac Jones being an above average quarterback for the next four or five years in in New England, right? He can basically do no, what he did this year, not given who he's coached. By. Yeah, he can do what he did this year, and that's that's probably an above average quarterback for the next four to five seasons. And then I don't know what you do with him for a second contract, but that's not hard to envision. With Trevor Lawrence, the issue is that he was in a a huge mess this season, like. M- one of the worst organizational messes that any rookie quarterback's ever been in. And he didn't play very well. Right. It like, no, he didn't. Trevor Lawrence could have still been awesome. Like he could have been like, yeah, whatever. Urban Meyer's a moron, but I'm still going to be awesome. That didn't happen. Like Trevor Lawrence did not have a good year, but you know, applying narrative and eye test Trevor Lawrence was, there's a reason he was the number one overall pick. There's a reason he was the presumed number one overall pick for like three years before he actually came out. The guys was really good in college. And I still believe he's got a good chance to be really good in the NFL. And that's why I think he's got the best odds to be elite because Mac Jones, I don't think is ever going to be this elite core. I'd actually put Justin Fields with a better chance to be elite than Mac Jones. But if everything goes right for Trevor Lawrence, if they get a good coach, right? Like imagine if Trevor Lawrence was like with Sean McVay or something like that, like the guy would have an unbelievable rookie season, but instead he got stuck with urban Meyer and that dumpster fire. So it's interesting. Because or, the next
1: Raider, or the next Raiders coach, Mike Tomlin. <laughs> so, <laughs> He'd be really good with that guy.
0: So let me ask you this. Who would you rather be right now? Would you rather be Mac Jones where we're saying, hey, game manager, you're probably going to be right in that 15th best quarterback in the league every year. You don't have a whole lot to do, but you're never going to be a superstar. Or would you rather be Trevor Lawrence where, hey, if everything works out well, you could be one of those top five quarterbacks in the league.
1: I'd much rather be Trevor Lawrence. I'd much rather be Trevor Lawrence and have the trust that it's not always going to be a disaster in the organization that they're actually going to get someone who has some kind of clue to coach me and I have a chance to be elite. I if I don't like you know, I mean, if that's the ceiling, if you're asking me which ceiling I'll take, I'll take Trevor Lawrence's ceiling.
2: Ed, just be honest, it's the hair. You want the hair. <laughs> but I,
1: that would be good too. That would be nice too. <laughs> <laughs> Flowing locks.
2: Yeah.
0: I would okay. I would rather be Trevor Lawrence. And not for this season because he just no, had a disaster no. and you, there's so much uncertainty as to what could be next. But Trevor Lawrence has a much better chance than Mac Jones to just get a massive contract. Like there's a yeah. chance Mac Jones plays out his rookie contract and like he'll get a second contract, but he'll probably be you know an average paid starting quarterback in the NFL. If things go right for Trevor Lawrence, I mean he he'd be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, and you're talking about hey Trevor Lawrence is now the highest paid quarterback in football like. I'd rather be Trevor Lawrence and, and essentially gamble on myself. Right. And right. Right. Ultimately, if things don't work out for Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, I do think he's the quarterback that would get a second chance with another team. Right. That would get the, the oh, Ryan, sure, that would get sure. the Ryan Tannehill. Yes. It didn't yes. work out in Miami. You've got another chance in Tennessee or, or the Sam yes. Darnold. Right. It doesn't work out in New York. Here's Carolina. Right. Although Darnold sucks, but like <laughs> he's going to get that second chance. So there's a, more likely, if it doesn't work out in Jacksonville, there's going to be that second opportunity somewhere for Trevor Lawrence to prove, hey, it was Jacksonville, not me, kind of like Ryan Tannehill did with Adam Case. Yeah. All
1: right. And as it – oh, Go ahead. was Is that a carryover, my bad? Is that a carryover from how, like you said, he came out of college and he was so well thought of that they're not going to give up on him sooner than they would someone else?
0: Right, yes, I think so. And, I mean, he'd have to be completely horrible for the next – three seasons for any every other team in the NFL say no thank you we don't want you coming up next Eric Harper the new AD at UNLV joins
2: 3.4 to go Rebels with a final chance pass up ahead to Baker Baker front court Baker gets pushed down no call and a loose ball no oh my gosh the Rebels have the game absolutely stolen from them that was absolute larceny
3: we're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff.
0: Joining us now, QNLB has new athletic director, Eric Harper. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good
3: morning, guys. Uh,
0: all right. So here's what I'm curious about, because you were named the interim athletic director after Desiree Francois left for Missouri. So you have been doing this job for a few months. What did you like? Was there anything about the job that you learned during the interim time frame? You're like, whoa. Wasn't expecting that. Didn't know that was a part of the job response. What surprised you during those first uh, couple of months as the interim?
3: You know, if if I had to put a tag on one thing, it was just you go from being a part of maybe two or three, four decisions in a given day to pretty much every decision um, as it relates to the department and how it's ran and so forth and student-athlete with every sport. Uh, there's something that's going to come up on a, on a regular basis. Probably just the number of times you're involved in, in meetings associated with decision-making that, uh, as a sport administrator, you you're pretty much locked into to your sport for the most part. Uh, but as the athletic director, you're locked into all 17 sports, plus uh, our Thomas and Mack side uh, with the entertainment. So just a lot of more decision-making uh, meetings that, that
1: go on. Erica, President Wedfield said yesterday one of the reasons he became AD is you're vested in the community. I heard that throughout the search. He wants to be here. He's not looking to leave uh, or, or go to a Power Five job. I mean, this is where he wants to be. C- can you talk about that? Because that came up a lot uh, on the outside looking in during the search, and it came up again yesterday.
3: You know, I'm 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 a very loyal person, and you know, I've worked at three institutions in my in, in my 30 plus years in college athletics, and I met my wife here at UNLV and excited about, you know, what this community is about and what our institution can do. And, you know, one of the the main things for me, if if you truly get into this business to influence and support and impact the lives of young men and young women competing for your institutions, then I have a lot better uh, opportunity to influence and impact you know, approximately 500 student athletes. Than being at a Power Five where you're you're dealing with a thousand student athletes. Uh, when I and when I see a, a grandparent that comes up to me during our senior send off and says thank you for supporting my granddaughter's team, that that means a lot to me, and that that just gives me another indicator that you know what UNLV is the place for me, and this is where I want to retire, and this is uh, I have an opportunity to impact a lot of lives here.
0: Uh, something you mentioned yesterday was uh, giveaways for students to help get more students to Thomas and Mac games. Are, are you guys giving away like PlayStation fives and vacations? That's what's happening here.
3: <laughs> there's uh, there's some deals that we're gonna we're gonna do. You know, TV. Um, you know, obviously every student wants a wants a big flat screen. Uh, we're gonna do some. You know, years ago, many many years ago, a lot of schools right before, in the latter part, early parts of the spring semester for basketball, they were giving away spring break trips uh, to students, and I think that's a thing that we can we can bring back. And our, our partnership with Learfield is absolutely fantastic. With Dan Dolby uh, as the GM, and he's vested in UNLV as well. That you know, and then some swag. Every student wants a little swag. Every student wants wants free this or free that uh, if they want to show up to the games and and be a part of that that excitement and that atmosphere that once was in the thomas and mac center uh doing running robo basketball whatever we can do to get them there with our sponsors is going to be a
1: fantastic my gosh they sound like media uh so <laughs> <laughs> um you're talking about thomas and Mack, but there's also a legion stadium i know winning cures a lot if not all uh can you talk about that sometimes you know I went to a school where a football stadium was a mile away and when they didn't win a mile seemed like 20 miles. Have you gotten that sense about Allegiant stadium? And is it just the fact that if your football teams win, you think that they will make the drive down more, or do you think there's other ways you can get people into Allegiant stadium for this program right now?
3: I think we're going to have to look at different and creative ways to get them there. Uh, Whether it's, you know, we provide transportation right now, but I think having, you know, potentially a, Kind of a student-specific tailgate area that you know, with with bands, uh, they're accustomed to cover bands that they're accustomed to that that brings excitement uh, to them. But yeah, you're you're right. Winning winning can cure a whole lot of things. But I think Coach Arroyo is on the right track. We're gonna get we're gonna start stacking up those W's, and we're gonna be excited about it. And but getting our students out there, it's just creative ways, you know. And and one of the things we're doing this week is. Uh, our Learfield and marketing team is meeting with the 60 RAs on campus to try and figure out a, a better way to get students engaged. And we're going to do some, some grassroots things. And and, and as, as I said yesterday, if, if I've got to get in the car I get on a bus and, and drive and pick them up one by one, I'm willing to do that. And our department is willing to do that as well.
0: So with uh, the football program and Marcus Arroyo, he's going into his third year. Is there... Like a baseline expectation as far as wins go for next year, like what, what, how exactly would you be evaluating Marcus Arroyo's third season?
3: Uh We we evaluate on a, on a regular basis, kind of, you know, game in and game out. I have conversation with Coach Arroyo uh, as I obviously I travel with the team. I mean, there's no baseline. We we haven't sat down postseason just yet uh, because I wanted him to focus on the recruiting, and he's done an excellent job in recruiting with his staff right now. So we'll sit down and we'll discuss kind of next steps as it relates to, you know, what he needs uh, in addition so he can win uh, on a consistent basis. We obviously made improvement this year with five, five losses by eight points or less, you know, one play here or there, whether it's first half or second half can make a huge difference in whether you get a W or you you settle, you know, or you have the loss, but I think he's going to do a better job of, of, of approaching that and come through with more W's on, on those, uh, tight games.
1: Uh, every group of five school, all they hear is how do you get to power five? You have to get to a power five. There's expansion teams jumping all over the place. Uh, you're very centralized on UNLV. I'm hearing here and winning championships there. How often does that come up and how realistic do you think it is? (laughs) It comes up constantly. Uh, that's just the landscape <laughs> of college athletics, what we're in right now in college
3: football uh, and basketball as well and, and, and a lot of other sports. The Realistically, if you're not taking care of your house, it doesn't matter what's going on. Uh, so we've got to take care of our house. As I said yesterday, we've got to win here. We've got to do have our connection in, with the community and our connection with campus. And all those factors fall into play. Your, your institutional endowment factors fall into place. Uh, your market, TV market, falls into place. There's so many different factors. It's not just about winning uh, to get into a bigger conference. But if we're not taking care of our house, and, and when I say take care of our house, I'm talking about the global up-campus, and under Dr. Whitfield's leadership, we're making strides uh, that will put us in a position that, you know, maybe somebody does come calling. Uh, and we'll we'll listen, as, as all schools should do. Uh, they should listen, but at the same time, if we're not taking care of our house, it doesn't matter.
0: Um uh- you mentioned that that it comes up all the time. And I imagine that's, you know, from us in the media from UNLV fans, but I am curious because when Desiree Francois was announced as a D Lynn Jessup was the president at the time. And, and in that introductory press conference, he's laid out the goal of getting to a power five conference. And I'm curious, has has Keith Whitfield, has that been a conversation from him with you at all? You
3: no, know, we have not discussed that in specific, you know, our, our focus again has been UNLV and, you know, as a, as a Mountain West Conference, obviously we, we saw some uh, a bunch of changes with the American Conference uh, and the Big 12 and SEC. And, you know, yes, we, we want to be in those conversations, but we have not sat down and specifically said, OK, in, in two years we want to be here, or three years we want to be there, or five years we want to be there. Well, those conversations start to come up absolutely because it, it's it's inevitable that the platform of college athletics right now is, okay, how do you get to the Power 5 conference? Is there going to be a Power Is there going to be a P6 uh, conference? If you look, if the Mountain West did this year in bowl games, 5-1. Uh, Let all conferences in, in bowl wins this year as, uh, as it relates to percentage. So exciting, but at the same time, again, we have to take care of our house, and Dr. Whitfield and I will continuously have conversations in relates to what's best for UNLV Athletics.
1: You've talked a lot about the kind of holistic and experience when I talked to you earlier about the student athlete, you talked again yesterday, uh, you bring up the student athlete a lot. Uh, You've done this for 30 years. What in your mind do you want the student athlete experience to be at that school? I mean, everyone talks about championships, but you want more for
2: them.
3: Absolutely. Obviously our academics were graduation uh, at an 82% clip, uh, our, our most recent cohort. The, you know, I go back to my, my days, uh, at Kansas State, and if you know the way I look at it, I want a minimum when we do our end of the year evaluations, exit interviews for our student athletes that are graduating. I want to see it at a 90% plus clip that says, you know what, after three years, four years, five years, whatever it is that they're here on this campus, they say, you know what, I do it all over again. I would turn around and make the same decision and come to UNLV because my experience from a holistic of approach was absolutely phenomenal. I felt well taken care of. I felt well cared about. And my degree from UNLV is going to be fabulous. And it's going to allow me to do the things I want to do in life. And that's the things that I want our student athletes to be able to see. that They truly enjoyed their experience here at UNLV.
0: Well, he is Eric Harper, the new athletic director at UNLV. Eric, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
3: Thank absolutely. you, Eric. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: So there is Eric Harper again, new athletic director at UNLV. He's been the interim for a few months, but now given the full-time job when Ed, when he says he wants like 90% to say, I'd come back and do it all over again. I immediately thought of Charles Williams because Charles Williams has been here for six years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Charles (laughs) Williams had a nice career and he has, he has been here a while, but, um, you know, I, I like what Eric said there about a lot of things. Um, I tell you one thing: uh, can you and I si- sign up for the flat screen televisions? <laughs> I mean,
0: Jared. He was
1: explaining what students want, and I'm like, are they covering the games? Because that sounds a lot like the people we sit up in the uh, in the uh, media with.
2: I don't need a TV. The PS5, though, that would be excellent. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Jared, <laughs> do you
0: still nice. have your like physical student ID? Yep. You might be able to sneak in. All oh, right, no, no you hold on, yeah. to get in there.
2: I need to hand this to you so that you can look at my picture on my physical student ID.
0: Oh boy, does it look nothing like you? What's wrong with your hair? It's worse than normal. How'd you? How? I That's li- defying the laws of. Ed, you're gonna have to see this later. That's defying the laws of gravity. It's genuinely is one this, of the worst. This? this is Jared's student ID this card from UNLV. Uh, I don't know well, what you
2: called it. It's, like, call it's this. from like six years ago. But, like,
0: okay. Like I took a physics class once, and I'm pretty sure that can't happen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think
2: that's supposed to happen with your hair. I genuinely was told, you need to get your student ID done by today. And I was like, okay. It was, like, 3 in the afternoon when I woke up, and I rolled into there. And that was what my hair looked like. All right,
0: coming up next, we'll jump back into the NFL because a lot of teams have a lot of plans for quarterbacks in the offseason. And yes, we've gone through this process far too often in recent years after having a lot of years of stability and it's not a fun process uh, at all. Um, there is nothing more painful to me uh, than making that long walk down
2: the hallway uh, to tell somebody, uh, particularly a, a, a good person, Uh, Like Joe, that uh, we're making a change. It's gut wrenching for me. Um, It's been gut wrenching every time I've had to do it, and um, obviously I've had to do it far too often. That's why we're in this uh, process again, and um, we're going to get it
3: right this time. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios.
0: Thanks, to Eric Harper, for joining the show. You and LV's new athletic director. If you missed it, you can hear that on the podcast, LVSportsNetwork.com. Later in the day, Darren Millard and Jr. Starkis will join us a little bit later as well. All right, Ed, le- let me ask you this way. Who is going to be the biggest name quarterback that changes teams this offseason?
1: Deshaun Watson.
0: Okay, where's he
1: going? Uh, Well... <laughs> On the field or off?
0: <laughs> okay, uh, good question. Good, good point. <laughs> uh,
1: I I don't know where he's going. I, I I just think that he's so talented when he plays. Look, we talked about this yesterday in hockey in Evander Kane. There's to me, there's always going to be a team when you have someone this talented who can explain away even all the things he's accused of. And just say, you know, you know, he hasn't been found guilty. All, all the stuff teams explain away when they sign someone who's multiple, who's incredibly talented with a lot of baggage that comes with him. I think, I think it was you who made the point yesterday, which will be interesting. If someone does make a move on him, you know, are you sure he'll be eligible to play, or can the league, you know, put him on the suspended list and and just keep him there? I, I think you'd have to be aware of that before you make a big deal for him and, you know, send a bunch of number one picks away to uh, the Texans. Yeah.
0: And so Ian Rappaport reported last week into last week that the Texans are going to want to trade Deshaun Watson before free agency starts, that they basically want to move on from him so that then they can have their entire uh, roster salary cap and know what they have to spend when free agency begins um the other interesting details were that they have had multiple teams offer them at least three first round picks but those were all sort of on the condition that Deshaun Watson's legal issues get resolved and we heard this right before the trade deadline and then Ian Rappaport wrote it again that's basically settlements like if it's it's what 20 plus women that have accused him of some form of sexual assault if they were to get all of those women to basically take settlements, it sounds like Courtney and Rapport story. It sounds like that other teams, as soon as that was done would be willing to trade for Deshaun Watson. But if for whatever reason, uh, all 20 plus women don't agree to a settlement and this continues to drag out uh, in the legal process that's seemingly taking forever, uh, then other teams aren't going to be as interested. And so that's, I guess what I'm curious because if you're Deshaun Watson, you want these settled as soon as possible so that, A, you can end up on a team that's not the Houston Texans, and, B, so that somebody's actually willing to play you, but it's not really in his control. That's the women have brought these claims against him, and if they're not willing to settle, then Deshaun Watson can't really do anything about it.
1: So, they're, again, you're telling me then teams are being a little smarter than they thought they were. Apparently. Because if they're saying we want all this resolved, then i give them more credit than i did yeah. originally i thought there'd be teams out there who would give up the three first round picks and still take them with all this baggage um deshaun watson uh you might know this under contract is he a 30 million guy i mean and who knows by the way with the attorneys what they would want in all these settlements
0: <laughs> the attorneys I mean, that have been on twitter the entire time yelling about it yes
1: exactly <laughs> What what would they want here? I mean, I'm sure he could afford it, given what he makes and what he's going to make if he gets back in the league. But I don't know 20 settlements. I that to me is a lot, and I, I just I think he's going to be moved. I think he's going to be moved before Russell Wilson or someone like that, uh, because I just think the Texans can't hold on here. Can they keep this? Can you? Can they keep moving forward with this guy on the roster and not get anything for him or not try to move him?
0: So, by the way, on the money for Deshaun Watson next year, his cap hit is $40 million.
1: Yeah, $40 um, million.
0: Yeah, it's 40, 42, and then 37, 32 for the next four years. The Well, I don't know if the Texans care this much because they just uh, played a whole season without their best player on the field. But if they do uh, trade him then it's going to cost them uh it's only going to cost them like 5 million dollars against the cap next year. So trading him is not going to be a massive issue for them as far as the cap goes. The other team would take on that massive cap hit which uh, you know, he's what is he? 26 years old I think at the moment. Like it's he's yes. cert- like if you trade for Deshaun Watson, right? Like if he, if we go under the assumption here that all of his legal issues get settled, right? That there's some sort of settlement for all of these issues. And then you trade for Deshaun Watson. You're getting a guy that's 26, seven years old. You might have your quarterback for another decade. Like you might have a legitimately good quarterback for another decade. So it's very clearly if you're another team worth those three first round picks and I'll, and I think I agree with you. I'm surprised nobody's done it yet. I mean, yeah, you don't want the PR, but we've seen NFL teams take on worse PR situations. Oh. Like, again, if you give up three first-round picks, but you have your quarterback for a decade, I'm I'm a little surprised nobody's actually pulled the trigger and, and done it yet.
2: It allegedly worked out for Ben yeah. Roethlisberger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They've, uh, well, that, that job is done. Uh, they have given up a lot more for, you know, guys with, you know, and I know this guy's got a lot of baggage but some of the people they've given up, uh, you know, three first, two first round picks for have been in this realm. So I'm actually surprised it just hasn't happened yet. I'm surprised someone hasn't just given him up and take him on and said, OK, we'll take him on. And if he settles, he settles. If not, we'll get through it with him. I mean, but he's I, that. I see. I don't know what you think, but I think he's that talented.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think right away, whoever gets them, you're thinking, "Yep, yeah, we got a top five quarterback in the NFL. We're good to go for 10 years.